And I am from Orlando. I'm at a church called H2O Church. And uh, I will... I would love to talk to you forever and hours and long time about how great of an opportunity we have in Orlando at H2O. Um, but I don't want to take our time up that, uh, right now to do that. I want to talk to you a little bit about the power of prayer. And uh, if you were in our Sunday school um, hour, uh, you would have heard Fat Rock mention that when he was early in ministry, uh, and he, as a youth minister, and he had the opportunity to preach, um, he did call me, and I sent him sermons via email. And uh, like everything he preached for like the first five years was all sermons I written. Um, so now as we've matured, as he said, I take credit for him as being my greatest accomplishment if he's good. That means he listened and he did what I've instructed him to do. If he did not, and uh, it's not my fault, there's a, a failure to appropriately apply the principles that I've taught you. Uh, but that's not honestly... Uh, one of my favorite stories or experiences with Fat Rock, which by the way, get out a pen real quickly, write this down, eliwestfall at me.com. Send me an email if you need some dirt on him, I can help you out with that. <laughs> so I, I remember this one time, uh, he invites me and I mean, I call him Fat Rock, I, I hope that if that's appropriate for you guys, I know you're a grown up minister now, so <laughs> you probably get called John, but I, I just can't do that. Okay, good, good. Uh, so he calls me up when we were still in school and we were living on campus and he says, hey, uh, what are you guys doing? And I was like, nothing. He's like, come over and eat. And I was like, all right, we'll do that. And uh, he's gotten this rotisserie oven, right? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, he had rotisseried some pieces of steak. And so he's like, you should eat the steak with us. It's going to be really good. It's nice and cooked and tender and everything. So, and I think we had rice or something. I don't even remember rice, steak and rice, right? So I, I am eating this piece of steak in Fat Rock's living room, right? And I put this big old hunk of meat in my mouth and I am chewing on it for what felt like an eternity. And it wasn't getting any smaller. So I thought I would do what any reasonable human being will do at this time. I will attempt to swallow this bad boy. So I went, right? So it's my wife and Mitzi and Fat Rock and me and we're in the living room and I start going, and everybody's like, ha, 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 ha. And I go, like this, and everybody's just laughing at me, thinking that it's a joke, and I'm like, so Fat Rock finally gets up and performs a Heimlich maneuver on me, I spit this piece of steak out of my mouth, I catch it, I contemplated eating it again, but it was a little soggy, I thought maybe it'll be tender enough this time, I don't know, uh, so I can say accurately and with confidence, Fat Rock is the only person who has actually almost killed me, and saved my life as well. It is, a, it is a fun experience being in relationship with Fat Rock. Of course, you guys already know this. And uh, as, uh, as we were planning out the time for me to be with you guys this morning, and uh, Fat Rock asked if I would talk to you guys a little bit about prayer and the power of prayer. And of course, I, I told him that, that I would do what I can. And, um, but I feel like I got to start with a confession with you guys this morning. And I confess that I, I don't think I'm the world's greatest prayer. And I don't know that I always give prayer the credence or the authority or the power that it actually has. So I, I just, I want to say that because I, I want us to feel like this morning, this isn't me telling you, 
I've got all the answers, y'all don't, so this is what you need to do. This is more of a, this is a lesson that we all need to be reminded of. And this is something that we all need to hear. And, and my, I, I throw myself into that group because I catch myself sometimes not giving prayer the power that it should. So here's what I want to do. We are going to bounce around a little bit and we're going to do a couple of different things as far as passages of Scripture. But I want to start in Matthew the 6th chapter. And if you have a Bible, I think, did I give you that? Did I give you any Scripture verses or anything? No, okay, sorry. Sometimes I'm lame like that. You guys just got to work with me. Uh, So grab your Bibles. I will read for you. Um, I'm reading from the New American Standard because that's what I have downloaded. So hopefully it won't be too weird for you. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, this is right smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street quarters so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But uh, But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, Close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Do not, so do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be their name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgression. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the ability, the opportunity to come before you in prayer. Lord, I know that in my life it's something that I sometimes take for granted. Lord, I pray that you can remind us all this morning of the power of prayer. That you can remind us of exactly what prayer is all about. Your son's name I pray. I think it's interesting, if we look at one of the other gospel accounts, we see that just before Jesus giving this, the Lord's Prayer, to his disciples, we see his disciples coming to him and asking him, how should we pray? They come to Jesus and they say, teach us to pray. They didn't come to him and say, uh, help us to plan out a perfectly executed worship service. They didn't say, help us to develop an excellent life group or small group strategy. They didn't say, help us to learn how to survive through a board meeting. They didn't say, help us, which should have been something they asked. Uh, They didn't say, help us to know how we can reach the lost people in Jerusalem. They didn't say, how can we 
you know, devise a strategy to make sure that everyone learns about you. They asked him simply, teach us how to pray. Of all the things they could have asked Jesus, what they asked was to learn how to pray. I think that right there gives us a clue as to what the disciples thought was one of the most important things that they needed to know how to do. And I think if our early disciples, the guys that Jesus surrounded himself with and started and built his church on, if those are the questions they were asking, it probably would be good for us to ask that same question. So I think that there are a couple things, a couple observations that that, that I want us to look at about prayer. And some of the things I I know, I know as as I I look out, I know that, that some of you have been a Christian or as in, in H2O, I, I said during the Sunday school time, there, there are a few buzzwords that we use because it makes a little more sense to a non-Christian audience. Uh, we don't use the word Christian. Uh, we call ourselves Christ followers because it kind of gives a better idea of us following this one particular individual, gives the idea of a, of a discipleship, gives the idea of we are sitting at his feet, learning, soaking everything in. So I know that some of us have been Christ followers or Christians for a long time. And the things that I'm going to say this morning, you're going to sit back and think, well, that is absolutely nothing that I have not heard a hundred million times. And that's okay, because this is just a reminding for us, a time for us to think and say, okay, yes, prayer is probably the most important thing that I can do as a Christian, Yes, I've probably also slacked on it. So this may not be anything new for you. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. But it may be a reminder that we need to hear sometimes. I think about, I, I think about just when I, th- I think about prayer, honestly, I, I think about prayer and it literally almost blows my mind to think about what prayer is. You think about, I think about Genesis chapter 1. Right? You guys remember Genesis? And that is where God is, is hovering over this expanse of nothingness. And he just opens his mouth. And everything that we have, everything is created. The universe is started simply because God said. He opened his mouth and talked and everything from nothing came. This is the guy we are praying to. This is the God who is the creator of everything by mere words. This is the guy who asks us, almost begs us to come to him in prayer. This is who we are praying to. And this is something that I don't think we ought to take lightly because we sometimes think about God as that white-haired dude sitting on a throne so far away. That is not the case. God is imminent. He is here, he is now, and he has all the power and all the cards and all of everything. The mere fact that all he has to do is open his mouth and everything comes from nothing is something that's pretty stinking amazing. This is the guy we are praying to. This is something that we ought to take more serious than we do because if he can make everything out of nothing by simply opening his mouth, I dare say there is not a problem that we are going to bring to him that he cannot handle. And I think when I'm thinking about prayer, as I'm 
as I'm trying to gather my brain back together from exploding within my skull of thinking about what does it mean to pray? You know, I'm trying to wrestle with what does it mean to pray? And I know it's cliche, but I'm going to do it anyway. Prayer is conversation with God. And I know you've heard that a million times, that that's okay, because it's true. Prayer is our way to communicate with our Creator. And again, it is cliche, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's like a marriage relationship. How can you have a good, strong relationship if you don't talk to your spouse? That's, that's a good way you have to make cliches seem cool if you just kind of do like this a little bit. But I mean, it's true. You know, cliches are cliches because they work. They're truth. There's a kernel of there that, that, that makes it make sense. And we wouldn't know our spouse if we didn't talk to them. And we wouldn't know them if we didn't have a relationship with them. And we wouldn't know God if we didn't engage actively in a relationship with Him. If we didn't read His Word and we didn't study the Scriptures and we didn't communicate with Him in prayer and we didn't talk to Him because I bet most of us at some point or another have some way, somehow, had a dialogue with God where you would say, God spoke to me in a prayer. Somehow, I don't know what that looks like. I know what it looks like for me, and I'm sure that how it looks like for you is different, but I bet you have been praying for something, and you felt like God gave you an answer and a a direction and and a solution or whatever. It is a communication aspect that we talk to God. You know, when I think about prayer, some of the things that I think about, the, the very first thing, when, when somebody says prayer, after my, my, I collect my thoughts and my head is not exploded from thinking the awesomeness of prayer, I, I think about in James chapter 5, and, and I think where, where James tells us in verse 16, he says, the prayer of a righteous man avails much. And I'm like, whoa, that is awesome. All I need to find is a righteous man now and we can get some things accomplished, Right? And then I have to, I, I have to, I've trained myself to think back on that and, and to realize I am that righteous man. Not because of anything I've done and not because I'm some good saint individual, but because I am covered by the blood of Christ and the righteousness of God's Son is now the coat that I wear so that when God looks at me, He does indeed see a righteous man. And you may not be a righteous man, you may be a righteous woman. Or a righteous man as well. We are those righteous individuals. We are the ones that have been covered by the blood of Christ. We can come before our God asking, knowing that He is listening and that our prayers are effective. I think about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, where Paul says, Pray without ceasing. And my first thought is, how do I do that? And then as I think, I realize that it is an attitude of prayer. You know, I don't know about you, but I tend to find myself dialoguing with myself often. And, and it's okay because I don't typically answer back, although sometimes I do. But it's one of those situations where praying without ceasing is simply having an attitude of going to God in prayer no matter what is going on. Right? It's a situation where your first response is to pray. Now, it's kind of a loose illustration, but I'm going to use it here. You know, maybe I should ask, is there any sailors? Okay. You know how sailors 
are known for having a particular mouth, right? And so I would imagine that if a sailor stubs his toe, that it, you're, you're in the Navy, you were? Okay, okay. Okay, similar. You will be the exception to our rule here. Uh, when a sailor stubs his toe, there's probably a particular penchant of language that may be used to describe that situation, right? You guys know what I'm talking about here. The same thing is true for us as Christians. We need to have a penchant that in any given scenario, our gut response is prayer. This is what it means to pray without ceasing. It is a, an automatic, i got to talk to God about this. You know, it's like when, you know, you, you got that, that, that friend. Uh, girls tend to have this a little bit more than guys, I think, sometimes. When something happens and you're all excited and you got to go talk to your girlfriends about it and tell them what's going on, that same idea, we got to have that mentality that God is our first person that we got to talk to about anything that's going on in our lives. And it builds within us a habit of coming to God in prayer. I think about... I think about Acts chapter 2, verse 42, you know, when the church is new right after Pentecost, it says they devoted themselves to coming together for the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, and for prayer. This is a prominent thing. I think about the, the you know, the, the old, the, the, the widow in, in, the, in the parable that Jesus tells, and she's going to the judge, and she's asking him for something. I don't even think we know what she's asking for, but she keeps going and going and going and going and going, and so much that she's so persistent that the judge is just like, fine, you can have it. This is what I think about when I think about prayer. We need to constantly be coming to God and, and talking to him and telling him, what, what do we need? What do we think? What do we feel like? And I have realized uh, over the last year, as I have been in this process of raising support to come on staff at H2O, where I, I'm trying to gain support as a missionary, there is nothing more important to what I do on a daily basis than to pray to God to give me the strength, to give me the fortitude, to give me the clarity, to give me the heart, to give me the mind to keep going and raising the support. I, I'm going to be honest. I'm a here and now kind of guy, and I would much rather be in the here and now at H2O accomplishing the work that we're doing, not because it's more or less important, but that's just kind of my focus is. And when I get to do things like this, it is because God has, through prayer and my relationship with him, he is, dude, listen, this is very important and you need to do this. But this is also of equal importance. Sharing my gospel, sharing the message, being in communication with me, getting more people excited about what I'm doing, not just in their little circle of the world, but in your little circle of the world too. And it's through prayer that, that God is breaking and mending and fixing and repairing and redeeming and making my heart after his so that I am able to keep doing this support raising thing on a day-to-day -day basis. But I, I think about sometimes, you know, I'm thinking about these are the different passages of scripture that come to my mind when I think about prayer. But I, I think sometimes, I think about some myths about prayer come to my mind. And, and I think the first myth that comes to my mind is that no and not now are not answers. I can look at my life and realize that there are times that I was praying and God was pretty blatantly obvious, no, that ain't going to happen. You, you, and I'm not going to give it to you. I'm not going to let you feel good about doing that. I'm not going to, just no. There are times in my life that I have prayed 
so hard about things, and the answer I've gotten back is not now. I spent about four years out of ministry working as a caseworker uh, for Florida's equivalent of DHR. It was Florida's Department of Children and Families, working with children and families uh, that were in the state system for, for child abuse. And I love that work, but I'm going to be honest with you. My heart is in ministry and working at a church and doing and ministering to those families in a place where I can say to them, Jesus is the answer for your troubles. And I don't have to, I don't have to think of a creative way because I'll lose my job working for the state of Florida and telling them Jesus is the answer to their problems. I prayed for all of those years that I would be at God, please allow a scenario where I can be at a church. And the answer I got for five years was, not right now. We delude ourselves into thinking that we somehow know better than the guy, the God that created everything by simply opening, opening his mouth. And we think that sometimes no or not now, that must mean God doesn't care and he's not listening. And that is not reality. How many of you have kids? Yeah, a few of us. How many of us are kids? Everybody should raise their hand now. You're all somebody's child. Okay, think about this as a parent-child relationship, okay? Is no an answer to their question? Absolutely. My son, we, 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 we got him a, a, a used iPod Touch. I'm doing like this. I don't know why. But we got him an iPod Touch for Christmas. He's seven, my oldest one is seven years old. Got him a used iPod Touch and I downloaded this game on it called uh, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, right? And what you need to know about this game is, is if you can think of almost every awesome exotic car, which would be like Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Porsches, Bugattis, cars that I didn't even know existed, right? All of these cars that cost like six-figure amounts of money, and he says to me, he's playing this game and he's got all these cars. He's like, hey, dad, I think we should go buy a Lamborghini. No, not happening. He's like, but what if I'm like, son, you need to understand, I'm never going to buy a Lamborghini for a multitude of reasons. But no. And he says, hey, you know, dad, can you download this other game on my iPod? No. Dad, uh, can you get on the, uh, on the internet and at least print me out pictures of some Lamborghinis so I can look at them? Well, not right now. I'm a little busy. Um, hey, I see that you're in the middle of an important phone call, but I'm really, really thirsty right now. Why don't you get me a drink now? Not right now. See, we sometimes forget that when we ask God things, that if, if we think, I know I think sometimes, if he doesn't say yes, then that must mean he doesn't care and he's not listening. When in reality, he might be saying no, or he might simply be saying, not now. You know, I think about in Matthew, the seventh chapter, a little bit farther in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is saying, he says, guys, if one of your children asks you for a loaf of bread, are you going to give him a stone? And it's a play on words because they, they used to make small little loaves of bread and they had stones that looked just like lo the loaves of bread. You know, who, if your son asks you for bread, are you going to try to trick him by giving him a piece of a, 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 a rock? Because he can't eat a rock. No. Well, what if your son asked you um, for a fish, are you going to give him a snake? And again, there was, a, there was some sort of snake-like fish animal kind of thing that looked kind of like a, a fish that you might be able to confuse a small child. If your child asks you for a fish, are you going to give him a snake? Of course not. He says, of course not. If you, who are just mere humans, know how to give good gifts, 
how much more do you think your heavenly father is able to give good gifts to you? And I think what we sometimes have trained ourselves into thinking is, is if God doesn't answer my prayer the way that I want it to, then I must know better. And the reality of the situation is, again, let's just take a, let's take a tally here. God who created everything just by opening his mouth. Eli, who's opened his mouth a lot, but doesn't really have anything to show for it, creation lies. You know, Audio Adrenaline is a Christian band. They've, they've since uh, broken apart, but they had a song called I'm Not the King. If I was, I'd be unwise because my brain is not king size. And I just can't help but to think that that is so very true. I think the last myth that I just want to mention that we're going to move on real quickly is sometimes we, we, we feel like prayer is inactive. And we feel like, you know, I'm going to pray for you or, or, or I'm, I'm praying about something, but it's not really doing anything. I don't know if you may not feel this way, but I know I do. I know I feel like, you know, as, as, as I'm trying to, to figure out things and I'm trying to make my life work and I just, I, 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 you know, my, my wife says to me sometimes, Rhonda, she's like, we should pray about this. And, and sometimes my first response is, but that's not doing enough. You know, that's not helping me figure this out. It's not doing this. And she's like, are you really sure you want to go with that answer and not back up and think a little more clearly about this? And uh, no, you're right. I, I would argue that prayer is probably the most active and most powerful thing that we can do as Christians. In Ephesians, the sixth chapter, we see Paul ending his letter to the, to the church in Ephesus, and he's, and he's talking about the armor of God. And what he does there is he, he equates different characteristics of being a, a, a Christ follower or a Christian, different aspects of our life, uh, to the, the, the armor that a Roman soldier had that would be common. Uh, my first sermon that I ever preached, I preached on this, and, and I kind of drew some conclusions to modern-day army. And, uh, but he ends... He ends that passage in, in what, verse 17 or 18 with prayer. He says, you've got to be praying. And I kind of look at that, and in that sermon, you know, I talked about all the different pieces, and I said, and then we get to prayer, and this is the big guns. You know, this is our artillery, this is our air support, this is our battleships shooting those giant guns on land, whatever you want to call it, this is the big guns. This is where the real power comes out. Because this is our opportunity to come before God. Again, the creator of everything. I cannot stress that enough. This is who we're praying to. This ought to give us a clue as to how much power our prayers have. It says you've got to bring out the big guns. You've got to bring it before God. And I know what you're thinking. Because I'm thinking it. And I know what you're thinking right now is you're thinking of a prayer that you prayed. And, and, and you're thinking, you're trying to grapple with God's answer to it. And it didn't go the way you wanted. And you're trying to figure out how is that the best? How is that the good gift? I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I don't have any idea. The thing about praying to God is, is that we don't always get what we want. And, and, and I'm not going to try to stand up here and, and tell you in your pain 
this was the best thing. But I'm just saying that God knows more than we do. And so I beg you, I actually beg you, that if you are hesitant to pray to God because you feel like it didn't turn out so well last time, I beg you, give it another chance. Because I know of all the chaos and anarchy and heartache and hardship and difficulty that has been my life, I know despite all of it, God loves me enough that he somehow figured out a way to send part of himself to die for me. And he didn't just die for me, but he died for you. And he didn't just die for you, but he died for everyone. And I know that if God loves us enough that he's going to die for us, that he surely wants to hear from us. And I know it doesn't always work out. And that's a gamble that we, it's honestly, it's a gamble that we take in our relationship with God because we give our lives to someone as big and as strong and as smart and as wise as God is, trusting He's going to work it all out. And I know that as we're, as we're praying and, and as I'm asking you, please give it another chance. I, I want to just quickly, from, from Jesus there in chapter 6, there are a couple things that I think we need to key in on in our prayer life. And the first thing he says is, don't be like the hypocrites. Man, don't, don't do anything, but especially your prayer, so that other people are going to think you're cool. Or other people are going to think you got it all together. Or other people are going to think that, that you have all the answers. Man, and he, and he goes on to say, he goes, don't use a bunch of words. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that Jesus is saying we got to pray really short prayers for them to be hear, heard. Heard. <laughs> but what I am suggesting is, is that Jesus is giving us an opportunity to keep it simple. It is very, very easy to get into a situation where we need something and it's okay for us to just break down and say, God, I don't even know. Because we're told that, that His Holy Spirit, who lives within us, intervenes on our behalf in that time. And it is okay to not know what to say and to be very brief. It's okay to be angry and be frustrated and just say something as simple as, God, I'm mad. God's all right with that. It's okay. He's not afraid of you being mad. He's not afraid of your fears, your hesitations, your reservations. He's not afraid of that because he knows he's bigger than all of that. And it's okay to just be simple and say, I don't know. Because God already knows what we need and what we're trying to say before we even say it. And I don't know what formula, what, what progression of thoughts works for you in prayer. But I know that Jesus started his prayer by praising God for who he is. And I feel like that's probably a pretty good place to start. Jesus started his prayer that way. Maybe we can take a little clue, a cue there. God... 
you, you truly are awesome. And we, tr- we could spend in, in the, probably the rest of our days praying, simply just thanking God for all he has done in our lives. And we would end up running out of time before we got to the end of that list. And he says, next he says, you know, give us this day our daily bread. I mean, God wants to know what do we need to make it through the day. And if you're like me, sometimes you just need the strength to make it through the day. And he wants to know, what do, I, what do you want me to give you to help you to get through the day? And again, God knows, but I think there's something about us asking him. And it's again, like my, I know, I, I have three boys. If you were in Sunday school, you saw pictures of them. A two-year-old, a five-year-old, and a seven-year-old. And I know, I know the first thing my two-year-old needs when he wakes up is a cup of milk. And I know the first thing that my five-year-old needs when he wakes up is a cup of milk. And I know this, and I've gotten to the habit of anticipating so that when they come to me and say, Daddy, can I have some milk? I've already got it ready. But I, won't, I will go get the milk ready, but I won't give it to them until they ask me for it. And I think there's something about that dynamic with our relationship with God. I'm not saying he's holding back or anything like that. Don't take it too far. Just know that we need to come to him. Even though he already knows, it's like that persistent widow that kept going and going and going and going. There's something to be said about the trust we put in God when we keep asking him. And then here's the thing, that, that the hardest part of it all. He says, God, forgive us as we forgive our debtors. And and elsewhere, Jesus tells us, if you're on your way to the altar to worship and you realize that someone has something against you, go make it right so that you can be right with God. And this is where it's hard because this does not give us a free pass to hold grudges, to hold broken relationships and to hold these things with other people because we have got to forgive those that have issues with us and ask for their forgiveness so that our heart is right to come to God and ask for his forgiveness. That's a whole nother sermon. I'm not gonna lie there. That's a whole nother ball game, but just take my word for it, okay? You can, you can jot this down and ask me at the meet and greet later and we'll try to flesh it out more. What I hope that I am painting for you this morning is that prayer is something that not only do we need to not take it lightly, but it is something that we need to realize the power behind it. Our God, who created everything, literally will move mountains to work in our lives. I don't know how he made it happen, I don't understand the mechanics of it, but I know that God made a part of himself to die for me and then made another part of himself that lives inside of me. This is the God that we are praying to. The God who has created everything from nothing and the God who has done everything to be in relationship with us. My question to us now, to us myself included, why do we not take prayer more serious? I challenge us all to have an attitude 
of prayer, to pray without ceasing, to have an attitude of coming to God, expecting that he will listen to us and that he will answer our prayer. We're not always going to get what we want, but that's okay because our brains are not king size. We have got to come before God in prayer and trust him to deliver and to work in our lives, knowing we are asking the creator of everything to give us his power in our prayer. Let's pray. God, again, I come before you not taking this lightly, but knowing full well what I'm doing this morning. Knowing that I'm asking not just not just the creator of everything, but the single most powerful being that ever was and ever will be to directly and actively engage and intervene in my life and the lives of all of us. God, I pray that you will cultivate an attitude of prayer, of praying without ceasing in our lives. I pray that you will give us the courage to come before you. I pray that you will give us the power to get beyond past hurts and disappointments and give you another chance. God, you are the only one that can answer our prayer. God, create in our minds and in our hearts a realization of the power we're tapping into. God, help us come before you and realize the power of prayer. In your son's name I pray, amen.